our series, we'll call it Breathless. We've just been, we've just been looking at some lives in the New Testament that Jesus touched. People that he bumped into. And uh, those, those moments that he bumped into them were not accidental. They were, they were purposeful. We're going to see one this morning a little bit different. But uh, it was a breathless moment just the, uh, just the same. You know, we, we, I qu- gave you a quote a couple of weeks ago that, that just, I love this quote. It's, life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, by the mo- but by the moments that take our breath away. And that's what we've been talking about, divine appointments with Jesus. And all of us have them, okay? Now, we may have been unaware, but we have them. And, and what's more is all of us are going to have some, okay? None of us are going to escape this life without some divine appointments with Jesus. And if you're a child of God this morning, you're going to have some. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you're going to have some. Uh, he, he is not, he doesn't discriminate, okay? He bumps into anybody he needs to. And this morning, we're going to look at a, at a, a person that, that, that I've just, I mean, I really, well, I'm not going to give it away, but boy, it just, it charges my soul up when I read this story. But divine appointments come in all shapes and sizes, and, and they, like I said, and like I've said the last few weeks, they seem to appear sometimes out of nowhere. I mean, they're just like, Boom, they're there. You didn't have any warning, and, and it's, it's just right in your face. But in reality, they're God-scheduled. How many of you realize that God schedules our lives? And we make choices, and those choices matter. But God's got a, a purpose and a plan for us. And when, those, when that purpose and that plan and our choices collide, things happen. And they're usually for the better. Okay, they're usually for the good. Some things require nothing more than our obedience when we're confronted by one of those moments. But every once in a while, occasionally, there are those moments that we have to take hold of. Everything's there. Jesus is there. He's he's come with everything we need, but we have to reach out, and we actually have to take it. Now, the last two stories that we dealt with, Jesus pretty much well took the initiative. Amen. And with the, the the Samaritan lady at the well, Jesus was waiting on her, and he answered her questions, and then he just kind of dropped a bomb on her, uh, and and she realized that he was more than just a a regular guy. We talked about the the Gadarene demoniac last week, and Jesus went to him, and he did what was necessary. Today we're going to talk about an individual that. Uh, that took some initiative. And sometimes you have to grab hold of what you want, okay? Now, grace is given freely. Y'all realize that. Grace does not cost us anything. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was paid for on the cross. Okay, so grace is free. But there are things in our relationship with Jesus Christ that require us to reach out and take hold. In other words, we have to exercise faith. We have to exercise, we have to get up, okay? I'm being careful how I say this. We have to get up off of what we enjoy spending time on, and we have to do something, okay? We do. It, it, you know, the, the, the Christian life is not all waiting and, 
and, and having it poured on you. Some of it's taken hold of, okay? Some things we have to take hold of by faith. And so we've looked at two people that Jesus went to find, that he had divine appointments to keep. Today we're going to witness a divine appointment that required some, some exceptional exercise and expression of that faith. The Bible defines faith in Hebrews 11, chapter 1. It says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. The New Living Translation puts it this way, What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, if I can just boil those two, two different verses down, here's, here's what faith is. Faith is believing that God will do what God says he will do. If he has promised it, he will do it. All right? And when you... When you attach your faith to that promise, when we start to believe that God really is who he, he says He is, and that He can do what He says He can do, that's when things change in our lives. The reason we see very few miracles is that most of us don't believe God still does those things. Now, some of us would say any more, and some of us just don't believe He does those things. Okay, we're unbelievers. We're believing unbelievers in a sense. He used to, but he doesn't do it anymore. You know, you, you look in Scripture, and I've, I've, I've had this, I've been taught this. You know, there, miracles are clustered. You know, you see a lot of them around Moses, and God was doing this and that. You see a lot around Elijah and Elisha, and God was doing this and that. And you see a lot around Jesus, and God was doing this and that. They just don't happen all the time. Listen to me. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The problem, the reason that we don't see them happen is because we don't believe that he is who he says he is. We don't exercise any faith. We don't put our faith in him. We, we think too much. Okay, and, and listen to me. I believe God has given us a brain to think with. Okay, I don't think we need to be gullible and accept anything that comes down the pike, okay? I'm just going to tell you that. I think God has given us a mind to think with. But you know what? He's also given us a spirit and a soul to experience with. And so you put the experience and the, and the thinking together and the Word of God on top of that, and you test everything, and you trust Him, okay? He will do what He said He will do. And I want to show you a, a, a picture today of, of a person who did that. You know, if you'll pursue God desperately with your faith, things happen. Things that you can't explain happen. We call them miracles. God calls them the kingdom life. He calls it what happens in my kingdom. You see, when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom with him. And he put it in us. And folks, wherever we go, we are supposed to take the kingdom with us. And the kingdom is this. Okay, if I could sum it up in just a few words. Thy will be done here as it is in heaven. Okay, when Jesus came, he brought heaven to earth. And he left it with us. He left it in us, in the person of his Holy Spirit. See, we've not been abandoned. We've not been left powerless we have the Spirit of God in us, the same Spirit, the same person who raised Jesus from the dead. 
Okay, that kind of power rests in us. But what's missing is our faith. What's missing is our, our belief that God will do, not God can do, okay, but God will do. Now, I'm, I'm going to get on another sermon if I'm not careful, okay? I'm going to move on. So today I, want us, I believe God wants us to encounter and get to know another person who doesn't have a name in Scripture. Now, they have a name. God knows who that person is. But that person had a breathtaking moment as Jesus passed by on his way to what seemed like another important appointment. Now, the kind of appointment I'm talking about this morning would seem to some people to be an interruption. You ever been talking to somebody and somebody interrupts you? We all experience that. But you know what? Sometimes those interruptions are, are God moments. Uh, I used to, my office was kind of open, and the staff knew this, was kind of open. Anybody that wanted to come and talk to me on staff could come at any time. And there were times when, man, I was deep in something that I didn't need to stop. And you know, and you know what goes through your mind. I'm, oh no, <laughs> not somebody else. But I can honestly say, just there were moments when there were moments when that person would come in, and and it wasn't for them; it was for me. It was a God moment. It was an interruption, but it was God interrupting, not that person. And so we need to be careful how we look at. It interruptions. Sometimes interruptions are nothing more than collisions of desperate faith with life-changing power. And what we're going to look at today is exactly what happens. And, and it usually happens with just a touch. Now, I want, to, I want you to turn, if you've got your Bible, and I'm going to read out of uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 30. Now, I want to ask a question. Those of you that, that have Bibles this morning, what, what translations do you have? Just call them out. NIV. New King James, ESV. See, I, to I told you, didn't I, Connie? Okay, well, you're going to see New American Standard on the screen, and I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, okay? It's the Word of God, okay? It's the Word of God. Now, verse 21, chapter 5. It said, when Jesus went back across to the other side of the lake, well, where had he been? He had been across Galilee. He had been in Galilee. He had gone across the Sea of Galilee. We talked about it last week. He had been over to the, to, to the Gadarene area. He's come back now. He's left the, 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 the gentleman that's in his right mind, and basically that guy, he's gone on a, a preaching tour. He's lining up uh, appointments uh, at different churches to come preach the gospel. I mean, he, he's wearing it out. So that, that's, that's where we're at right there. It says, And when Jesus went back across the lake to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell down before him pleading with him to heal his little daughter. She's about to die, he said in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her and heal her so that she can live. And Jesus went with him. Now, it would seem that, that Jesus is on a divine appointment with Jairus, wouldn't it? I mean, just from reading the text. He's headed, he's got business to do, he's set his face to go with her. And off they go. And the crowd thronged behind him. And there was a woman in the crowd who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. And she had suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard about Jesus, 
So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch his clothing, if I can touch him, I'll be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel that she'd been healed. And Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out for him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? Jesus had, had just returned from an appointment with a demonized man. And he had set that man free, and, the, and that man had become an evangelist. And he was sharing the gospel everywhere with anyone he could get a chance. And as he and his disciples land there in Capernaum, on the, let me get my direction straight, on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, as he, his fishing boat put in, man, word just, it just spread like wildfire. Jesus was at that place in his ministry that wherever he went, crowds thronged there. They just came from everywhere. Now, some of them came because they were desperate, okay? They needed a touch from Jesus. And some of them came because they wanted to see something happen, okay? They wanted to see a miracle. It, for them, it was like going to see David Copperfield in Vegas, Y'all understand what I'm talking about. They were, they were going to see the show. Now, not everybody, but a lot of them. You see, a lot of them wanted to, to be a part of all that excitement. They wanted to be wowed. But they didn't want to worship. They'd come to see what Jesus could do, not to find out who Jesus was. And sadly, a lot of believers are that way today. They run to and fro because they want to see something happen rather than just worship Jesus for who He is. See, when Jesus comes, when His presence comes, His power comes every time. His power never comes without His presence. He's not schizophrenic, okay? But they just wanted to see the power. And sadly... Some are even worse than that. They don't even believe God does those things anymore. And so what happened is the crowd began to build. I mean, they just begin to pack in there. And, and Jesus gets out on the shore, and they start up. Capernaum is, is right on the sea. It's, it's a fishing community. It's a small place. If you go there, go there today, the ruins of that city are still there. In fact, uh, the synagogue that, that Jairus was the leader of, that synagogue, is there. You can see the ruins. And literally, folks, that is the place where Jesus worshipped when he was in that. It's one of the few places that you, you visit in Israel that's for sure, for certain. A lot of places are traditional. A hundred, two hundred years later, they said this is where it happened. But there are a few places in Israel that are, that are definite. And this is a definite place. And so when Jesus lands here... The crowd just begins to, you know, it just explodes. And, and all of a sudden, a guy runs up to Jesus. And Jesus probably knew Jairus. And, and Jairus, Jairus was, was, was desperate. His little girl was dying. I mean, she was on the verge of death. And, and so he, he didn't have any time to waste. And he runs up to Jesus. I, I mean, I just see him and just, Jesus, 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 I need you to come with me. I mean, when, when we're desperate, we do desperate things, don't we? Some of us do. Some of us don't. 
Some of us just stare, okay, and, and wish we had done something. But some people do desperate things. And so Jairus could care less what anybody thought. He, he ran up to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. If you'll just come touch her, if you'll just come to my house and heal her, she'll be okay. And, and Jesus goes with him. He starts off toward Jairus' house. Now, Jairus would have lived adjacent probably to the synagogue. So that mean they, meant they had to go up into town. And it, it, they're just little houses, the ruins of little houses. You can see them today. They're packed right beside each other. It, it's a little community. It's a little a little. I, I say city, we think of, of Atlanta or Birmingham or something. It's not that big by any means, but it, they're just tons of little houses and streets. And so they're, they're going up through these narrow streets, and the crowd's getting thicker and thicker. And, and all of a sudden, people are pushing, and they're shoving, and they're elbowing because everybody wants to get a better view. They want to see Jesus. They want to see, hey, he's going to do a miracle. He's going to do something. The show's starting. So, I mean, they're, they're pushing and shoving and they're elbowing. And so as they move through the streets of Capernaum, the news that, that, that he's coming spreads into the city, and, and they start to turn out. Folks, it's kind of like a limo pulling up at a concert and a rock star getting out a block away and walking through the crowd to his concert. That's, that's the atmosphere. I mean, people are elbowing, pushing, and shoving. If you can't push and shove, you better stay off and out of the way. And so they're crushing in, and everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Everybody wants to touch him. Everybody wants to see him. But I want you to, I want you to hear this, okay? I want you to make a note here. Jesus rarely deals with crowds, Okay? Jesus majors in dealing with individuals, one-on-one. That's how he works. Now, I'm not saying he won't deal with a crowd, but but very often he deals one-on-one. He fed 5,000. At another place, he fed another large group. But most of, of his meetings and appointments were with individual people. And the reason that's true is because when you meet Jesus individually, one-on-one, you can't hide. And it's easy to hide in a crowd, isn't it? It's easy to kind of, you know, I'll slip over here a step or two and get just out of his reach, or I'll slip over here, he won't see me, I'll duck down over here. I'll sit in the back, or maybe I'll sit in the front where he's looking over me or whatever. And, and that's the way we tend to do And that's, 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 that's the way people tend to do. But on the fringes of this crowd, on the outside of the crowd, all alone, there's a woman standing or sitting. I prefer to think she was sitting, and I'll explain why in a minute. She didn't have a name in Scripture. She's unnamed. And, and if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you, you, you know that I believe the reason that she's unnamed is because any of us could be her. Okay? And it's going to be hard for about half of us to put our place, ourselves in her place today. But for the other half, it's not going to be hard to do that. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Struggle to put yourself. Forget what was wrong with her for a minute and just put yourself in her place, okay? You take, you be her name in a sense. 
because she could be any one of us. She was an outcast, okay? She was an untouchable. Her clothes were, were, were soiled, right? She was dirty. And there was a smell that accompanied her. And, and try as hard as she could, she couldn't get rid of it. She had a veil. And she had that veil pulled probably as tight. The only thing, she could see out of it, couldn't anybody see in it. And the reason is because she was gaunt. She was pale. Her skin was clammy. She had it pulled so tight that, that you couldn't see her hollow eyes. And you couldn't see the fact that they were on the ground. They weren't up, they were down. She was downcast in a sense. It says in, in chapter 5, verse 25, it says, And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of physicians and had spent all she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. There was a woman in this crowd, this woman. She had, she had, she had suffered. She had suffered a hemorrhage. A female issue is probably what it was. She may have had... Uh, Menagora or fibroid tumors or a glandular disorder or, or she may have had a, a blood clotting condition or she may have even had cancer. We don't know what she had. But she constantly bled, okay? She constantly bled. There was a, a flow of blood and she was hemorrhaging and she had been doing this for 12 years. Day after day after day after day. And physically, because of that blood loss, she was probably anemic. She was probably very weak. It was probably a, 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 a hard thing for her to come out from wherever she stayed. She probably had no home, okay? She was probably, very likely, homeless. At one time, she probably had a lot of money. But now, her money was gone. She couldn't work because she didn't have any energy. She could hardly walk. And she was, her breathing, if you got close enough to her, which no one did, it was probably labored and very shallow. Folks, she was in a desperate condition. I mean, she was hopeless in a sense. Now, look at the text. It tells us that she had endured much at the hands of many physicians, many doctors. They had doctors. Okay, now their, their, their medical practices were not as advanced as ours, but they did have doctors in that day, and a, and a town like Capernaum would have probably had several. And so she had visited the doctors in the area. She had been through countless embarrassing examinations, and she had gotten the prescription, here, take four of these in the morning and you'll be okay. And she had gone home and she had taken four every day till it was gone, and nothing, nothing changed. She had been to the faith healers. She had been to the folk healers. She had been to the diet doctors. Okay? She had been to the herbalist. She had been to the exercise guru. She had been to everybody that she could go to. She had even been to the, to the, probably to the magicians. And all the other quacks in and around that area to find some help. She had been to, to, to this one who promised a miracle cure and that one who promised a miracle cure all in, in return for a few of her shekels until her shekels are all gone and there's no miracle cure. 
and her hopes dashed. And over the years, all her money's gone. And now her condition, Scripture says, is worsening. And her money's gone. Now, that's pretty bad condition, isn't it? How many of you would agree she's, she's pretty desperate? Well, folks, that wasn't even half of it. Okay? To make matters worse, she's all by herself. She's got nobody. You know why? Because she's unclean. She's defiled. Her, her religion says that, that because of her condition, she is, she's defiled. Leviticus chapter 15 talks about uh, discharges. Male and female, okay? There's a, there's a whole, I'm not going to get into all of it. But basically, uh, during each, each month, a woman was unclean for a certain period of time during her, her discharge, her menstrual period, okay? Well, this woman was constantly in that shape. And this text tells us that, that, that Scripture said, the law said, that she was unclean as long as it took place. That whatever she sat on or lay her bed, where she lay, whatever she touched was unclean. In other words, she had been unclean ceremonially for 12 long years. That meant she couldn't have any type of marriage relationship with a man. Okay? She couldn't do it. Though she was in the prime of her life. This is not... An elderly person, this is a woman in the very prime of her life. Her husband, she was probably married, and he had probably stayed with her for a few months. I'm going to give him benefit of a doubt and say he stayed six or eight months after this started. Okay? I don't know. But he had eventually divorced her. Because for her to touch him, or him to touch her, made him unclean. Okay? She probably had kids. And they'd taken her children away from her because she couldn't care for them. She couldn't touch them. If she touched them, they were unclean. If they touched her, they were unclean. Every once in a while, she might catch a glimpse of them as she wandered the streets from behind a bush or a wall. But she could never go over and hug them. She couldn't ever take them in her arms. She couldn't love on them. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't go to synagogue. She couldn't worship with everybody. She couldn't come to church. She was defiled. And nobody could be around her because of the danger of defilement. She was all by herself. She didn't have any family. She didn't have any friends. And her safety debt, spiritually speaking, was non-existent. No one could do anything could have anything to do with her. And folks, beyond that, nobody would come close to her because they were afraid whatever was wrong with her would become wrong with them. Now, there's a belief, and it, it's, it's old. It's not just present-day belief. But her culture believed that sickness was God's punishment for sin. Okay? If a person was sick, God was punishing them. That's not a biblical belief. That's a pagan belief. All right? Now, does God use sickness from time to time? But the pagans believe that if you got sick, the gods were against you. 
And so her culture had, had taken this belief, and so she was an untouchable. And she was on her own, and the reality was that her, her time was kind of running out. But she had heard about Jesus. Okay, she's down to her last chance. She's heard about Jesus. She had listened to the, to the stories and the tales of, of how this, this man could give sight to blind people. And how he would, he would heal lepers, but, but not just heal them, he would touch them. He'd, put his hand, he'd lay his hands on them, and, and they'd get well. Their skin would, would become like, like, a, like a baby's skin. She'd heard the stories of how he cast out demons and the power with which he spoke. She had heard the stories of how lame people who had never walked, walked when he laid hands on her or when he gave a command. She listened, folks. And here's the difference between her and most of the people in this crowd. She believed. She believed what she heard. Her belief was not a belief of, of hope so. You see, faith's not hope so. Hope so is this. When your team is in the fourth quarter and they're 40 points behind in football and you hope they're going to win. Listen to me. It doesn't happen. That's hope so. The kind of hope she had was, was based on facts. She had heard the facts. She believed the facts. She was convinced, and, and, and that faith moved from here to here. She was convinced in here and in here that if she could just touch Jesus should get well. Now, as far as we know from Scripture, up until this point, that had never happened. Now, I'm not saying it hadn't or it had, but up to this point, as far as we know, that had never happened. Nobody had just brushed him and went away 100% healed. But she believed that it could happen. And she believed that she was the person that if she could do it, it would happen. Not that it could. I want to I change the way I say that. She didn't believe it could happen. She believed it would happen. It would is different than it could. It could's not faith. You know, an asteroid could fall out of the sky. Will it? I don't know. She believed that if she touched Jesus... She would be healed. And so what happened is she acted in her faith. She put her faith in action. Now, here's the thing about faith. If you don't act on it, what good is it? Don't tell me how much. I mean, that's, what James, that's what James said. He said, don't tell me about your faith. Show me your faith. It wasn't about works and grace. It was about if you really believe this, take a step out there into this. Extend your arms and grab hold of it. That's what James is talking about. Let me see your faith. So if, if you don't act on faith, is it really any good? Is it really faith? Now I want you to hear this. She didn't take a chance. Okay? Chances are what you do when you gamble. When you gamble, it's may or may not. Okay? I'm going to take a chance on this. There's a 95% chance it will work and a 5% that it won't. 
I don't know about where you live at, but I always end up with 5% chance. Okay, this is not gambling. She's not taking a chance. Folks, she's acting on faith. She's making an opportunity. I want you to hear that. She's making an opportunity for God to meet her need. She acts. She acts because she believed God would, not God could, heal her if she just touched his cloak. Now, to stop right here for a minute, I want you to press pause on her, all right? Just, just, just freeze frame. I, I wish I had the ability to do this, and, but I don't, okay? God does, but I don't. So you've got to help me here. I want you to put yourself in her place now, all right? Nobody's going to help her. Nobody's going to take her by the hand and lead her to Jesus. It's not going to happen that she runs up to his feet and falls at his feet and grabs hold of him. That's not going to happen. She's going to have to take a step. She's going to have to crawl off that curb. She's going to have to crawl through those folks. She's going to get kicked and punched and bumped into and, and, and call names. But the only way she's going to get from where she is to where he is is to exercise her faith. What do you need this morning? What do you need this morning? Some of you need physical healing this morning. Some of you need emotional healing this morning. Some of you need spiritual healing. Some of you need other things. You're sitting on the curb. Jesus is passing by. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to sit over here and hope he catches my eye. I'll go, hey, Lord, it's me. He may see you. Let me, let me retract that. He sees you. Okay? But there are moments in life, there are moments in our spiritual walk where we have to make opportunities. All right? It's not about, not about whether God wants to, to meet our need or not. It's whether or not we will get off the curb and we will come to Jesus. Okay? Whether we will enter. He's, Jesus is on a mission. Am I willing to interrupt him? Am I willing to grab hold of him? Am I willing to seize him and not let go until I get what I need? I'm not talking about a Cadillac, uh, a, a vacation home in Aspen, uh, or on the beach. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about this woman was bleeding and had been bleeding for 12 years. All she wanted was the bleeding to stop. She could have cared less that she didn't have a house. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have anything. She just wanted what was wrong with her to be healed. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Okay? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to, to, to step out in that, in that crowd of people and maybe risk embarrassment? You're willing to leave your pride? Are you willing to... Maybe you're not a boisterous person. Maybe you're not very loud and you like to kind of stay in the background. Are you willing to do like Bartimaeus did? Jesus, hey, son of David, I need somebody to come over here and heal me. Shut up, man. No, Jesus, son of David, come over and heal me. He kept yelling until Jesus couldn't, couldn't miss him. Are you willing to do that? He said, well, no, sir, God doesn't work that way. 
let me tell you something. Sometimes God is moved by our faith. All right? He's moved by our faith. He's moved by our faith. I'll get to that in a few minutes. Okay? Let's move from pause back into the story. And so what happens is this woman has heard Jesus is on his way. And so she staked out a little place on one of the streets, okay? She, she, she's gotten positioned, and she's patiently waiting for Jesus. She's going to ambush him, okay? She's going after healing. I mean, that's what the text says. So she knew that she couldn't crawl out. I mean, she knew that she couldn't throw herself at his feet, and she couldn't share the details of her affliction. I mean, people would have went nuts, all right? They would have gone bizarre. It was like somebody that had been in a nuclear reactor uh, and, and, and had death written all over them, okay? They, they, she just knew she couldn't do that. So as, as Jesus passed by, she just starts crawling through the crowd. Nobody paid much attention to her. They ignored her. They stepped on her or they stepped over her. Okay? They, they weren't, she wasn't the center of attention. But folks, she seized her moment because she had a divine appointment to keep with Jesus. She wasn't going to miss it. And, and you know, I could just almost, I can see her reaching out from off the ground. And as Jesus walks by, she just, she just lunges. The last little strength she's got, she lunges. And what she feels is a tassel on his robe, on his shimla. Jewish men were required to, to wear tassels, uh, four of them. It had to do with the law and it had to do with remembrance. And so it was something that reminded them of, of what God had commanded them. And she just barely brushes it. But folks, when she brushes it, the Scripture says she grabbed hold of it. Faith reached out and took hold of the promise. That's what took place. Mark chapter 5, 27, 28 puts it this way. And after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I can just touch his garments. You know what? I don't have to sit down with him for an hour and a half and tell him everything that's ever happened to me. I don't have to, to even tell him what's wrong with me. If I just touch him. No, no, if I just touch his clothes, that'll be enough. I shall get well. Literally, the word there is the word sozo. Now, that may not mean much to you, but that's the very word that means saved. That's the Greek word for saved, salvation. It means I will be delivered. I will be saved. I will be, here's the other meaning, I will be healed. Folks, from time to time, faith makes an opportunity that's not there. Now, you either believe that or you don't believe that. There are moments when faith makes opportunities for us. It opens doors that seem locked. Folks, real faith causes God to move. God responds to it. And when it comes to healing... 
real faith. And by real faith, I don't mean that God can heal, but the assurance that God wants to heal. I don't mean that it's, it's just a part of His nature. Folks, it's who He is. That it's a part of His purpose. It's what He does. Real faith is necessary. Now, there are times in Scripture when the person who was healed had no faith. Okay? They're, they are there. But there are also times when the person had faith. And in this case, this woman had the faith. She, she didn't just wait to get an appointment. She didn't, she didn't dial up God in prayer to ask Him to send Jesus over to the curbside, folks. She knocked the door down. She took what she needed, not in arrogance, okay? Not in arrogance, not in presumption, but in faith. She reached out and she took hold of Jesus in spite of being physically sick, in spite of being spiritually unclean. And folks, in spite of a, of a law in her culture that said it was unlawful for a woman to touch a man in public except his wife. If you go to Israel today and you go to the Temple Mount, uh, the Muslims have somewhat control of the Temple Mount. There are Israeli soldiers there. Make no mistake about it, okay? And they have big guns. But, but basically, once you get on the Temple Mount, the Muslims have control. And folks, if, if, if a husband touches his wife or a wife touches her husband, they will be all over you. They'll slap your hands. I mean, I'm serious. They warn you not to do it, okay? This is the culture, all right? Now, some of you are looking at me like, are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you, okay? I'm serious. I mean, they'll be there. They'll just they'll be all over you. And that was the culture. You, you, women just didn't touch men in this culture. Now, she's physically unclean. She's spiritually unclean. And now she's broken the law, the civil law. So she's pretty well broke all the laws. Wouldn't you agree? Spiritual, uh, health laws, and the regular law. Now, here's my picture of her. She didn't just jump off the cliff, folks. She yelled Geronimo when she went over. Okay? Y- y'all know what I'm saying? Look, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it wide open. And that's what she does. She goes for broke. She runs as hard as she can. I mean, she barges right into the doctor's office. She doesn't ask him to write a prescription. She walks over to the cupboard and takes out what she needs. That's, that's the picture that God wants us to see here. And it says in Mark 5, 29, and immediately, immediately, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body she was healed of her affliction. The language that Mark uses here is is of a fountain or a spring just drying up. An artesian well just stopping. That's, that's the language he uses. Immediately, a blink of eye. The healing was obvious, folks. She didn't have to go to the doctor for him to examine her and say, Hey, you're healed. She knew she was healed. She knew at the moment it happened. Her hope had become sight. And you know what? She would have been content to have eased back over to the sidewalk and went her way. She went after what she believed was a promise of God. She got what she wanted, and she was content. She was, she was fulfilled. But here's, here's the, 
Here's the issue. The same lightning bolt she felt go into her, Jesus felt go out of him. You ever grabbed hold of an electric wire? Okay. In my experience in plumbing, we dealt, <laughs> we dealt with 110 and we dealt with 220. Now, I've gotten hold of 220 a couple of times, and what 220 does is it kind of knocks you off of it. It, it jolts, makes your teeth chatter, and just kind of kicks you back. 110 is like grabbing hold of something you can't let go. That's what happened here. She brushed his robe kapow. Okay, but the kapow that hit her, Jesus felt the kapow leave. Okay, he felt the power go out. It says in, in the next verse that immediately, I love, this, I love the way Mark writes. Mark uses immediately, now. He's, he's, a, he's the apostle of, of just boom. This is the way it's, I mean, he's just telling this story. Immediately. Immediately the flow of blood was dried up, and immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself, Jesus knew that power had proceeded from him. It gone forth. And so Jesus immediately turns around in the crowd and he says, Who touched my garments? Who touched me? That's what he's saying. Jesus felt the power of the Holy Spirit go out of him. Folks, faith had touched more than the clothings of Jesus. Faith had touched his heart. It touched his spirit. Spirit, in a sense, had touched spirit. And there was an exchange. It reminds me of a verse in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Folks, this woman had fulfilled the meaning of that commandment. The meaning of that verse. She had stepped into that promise. The next verse God says this, and I will be found by you, and I will. Now stopped mid-verse there, because God says he'll do a lot of things. What I have found true to be about that verse is, if I will seek God with all my heart, he will provide whatever it is I need. And in this case, he provided exactly what this woman needed. Folks, real faith goes after God. Until it finds him. See, don't tell me that you've got faith if you give up. You may have had some willpower or strength, but you didn't have faith because real faith goes after God until it, it apprehends God. When it comes to faith, you receive what you want. Just to think about that. You get exactly what you want. If you don't want much, you don't get much. Now, we may not like that, but that's Scripture. The people that saw great things happen attempted great things. This woman literally took her life into her own hands and said, You know what? Whatever it costs me, even my life, I will touch his rope. And if I touch his robe, I will be healed. That's what she said. She said, well, show me that. It's all over the text. 
Now, Jesus turned around, and he's looking around, and the text says he's looking for the woman who touched him, okay? He knew that it was a woman. Now, how did he know that? Spirit of God talked to him. How do I know he was looking for a woman? Because the Spirit of God, when he used the pronouns in the Greek language, used a feminine one instead of a, 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 a male one. So he turns around and, who touched me? What woman touched me? That's what he's asking. Well, his disciples, are, they can't believe it. I mean, they're blocking for him like, like he's, it's fourth down and, and six inches for the winning touchdown, okay? They're knocking people left and right, and he wants to know who's touched him. Everybody's touched you. There's hundreds of people. What are you talking about? Listen to me. Their touches were superficial. This woman's touch had reached up and grabbed a handful of God. And there was a difference, folks. And the effect was supernatural. Listen to me. Some of you long for God to heal you. Or at least you say you do. Okay? What are you willing to do to gain that healing? Are you willing to push your way through a crowd and take hold of the fringe of Christ's robe? Are you willing to... uh, to do whatever it takes. Is your dignity worth more than, than your healing? Are you willing to believe what His Word says? Or folks, is it just easier to believe what other people don't believe? God doesn't do that anymore. Are you willing to put everything on the line this morning? Because Jesus is passing by. All right, make no mistake about it. Where two or three are gathered in his name, the Bible says he is there. Not he will be there, he is there. So he's here, and he's passing through. Are you willing to stretch out and touch him this morning? Or are you afraid? See, fear will cause us to put our hands in our pocket. There wasn't any, this woman had no pockets, okay? I mean, she's, I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. I, I, I think she knew she had one chance, and she went at it with both hands. She, she lunged. And as she's headed to the ground, right before her, both her hands hit the ground, one of them grabs hold of a fringe. Folks, Sometimes our faith is in what God might do instead of what God will do. Sometimes our faith is in what God could do instead of what God would do. You say, well, no, those are just words. No, they're not words. They're bi- there's a big difference. They're a big difference. It's, it's, it's the difference between real faith and unbelief. It's the difference in what most of the church says is faith and what the Bible says is faith. Now, you might call this presumption, okay? And I can understand that. There's only one problem with that. That's not what Jesus called it. All right? As Paul Harvey said, 
There's the rest of the story. Verse 32 and 34. And Jesus looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, well, I mean, let's be honest. You can understand why she's afraid and why she's trembling. Everybody knows who she is. I mean, you can live in a town and have an issue like this and everybody not know. She was trembling and she was fearing, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. Now, she's no longer grasping at the back of his robe. Things have changed. She's at his feet, all right? And told him the whole truth. She told him about the story she'd heard and how she'd believed it. She told him about sitting on the corner and planning for the right moment. She told him about pushing her way and fighting through the crowd and elbowing everybody else and being stomped on and kicked. She told him all that. And then she told him, and I just, I just lunged forward and I just barely touched you. And I'm healed. Listen to what Jesus says to her. Daughter. She's not the woman anymore. Okay? Don't, don't miss that. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What we call presumption, Jesus called faith. Your faith has healed you. In other words, your faith was the instrument God used to touch you. See, faith does not heal. I want you to understand that. Faith's not something we work up and we get enough of it, we get what we want. No, faith is, is believing that God means what He says and putting ourselves in position to receive what God says He will give. We're, we're, God gives us the faith. What we do with it's up to us. She exercised it and God moved. Jesus called it faith. It's the faith that pleases God. And folks, when faith, true faith is exercised, God rewards it. You remember our definition of faith back in Hebrews? That anybody who comes to God, that, that God is pleased by faith, and anyone who comes to Him, He is a rewarder. He rewarded this woman for her exercise, for her desperation. Folks, literally, she goes from a defiled, dying woman to a daughter who's made whole. And, and you know, I, I just kind of picture this. When, when she touched the fringe and grabbed hold, God took her breath away. He left her breathless. There was a transfer of His Spirit into her. And a miracle took place. Do you know something? I think when she touched God, it took His breath away. I really do. Because there's not a lot of faith like this even in the New Testament. When she touched God, he knew he had been touched. And when he touched her back, she knew she'd been touched. Folks, the same Jesus is here today. The same one. What are you going to do? Well, Nelson, those things... Just don't happen. They don't happen like that anymore. Well, listen to me. This woman was healed. 
And just as, as all this takes place, somebody else runs up to Jesus. You know what they tell Jesus? Hey, there's no sense in going to Jairus' house. His daughter's dead. His daughter's dead. You know what Jesus says? Don't be afraid any longer. Only believe. Only believe. That's a word for somebody in here this morning. Don't be afraid any longer. Just believe. I don't care what the messenger says. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what your family says. I don't care what the people you know say. You may be an outsider. You may be an untouchable. But listen to me. That's not what God says. If I can just touch Jesus. If I can just touch his garment. I will get what I need. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.